This is New Media. You're listening to Building a Republican Ideological Coalition, a four-part series about helping our various Republican factions unite. By focusing on some basic principles we all share, being open to ideological differences on other issues, and seeking to add people to the movement instead of subtracting them, we can build a functioning, if difficult, governing coalition despite some glaring challenges that lie ahead. Part one, unite on some basics. I think there are three principles that should guide the future of coalition building in the Republican Party. Local party organizations should try this proposed framework to judge our efforts, legislative priorities, and communications. Keep in mind that these are three competing interests and might require us to compromise on one in order to achieve another. Number one, individual liberty. If we truly want to open our coalition, we will view every political issue from the lens of restricting personal liberty or not. Politics loves to make a crisis that must be solved by legislation immediately, or else it will be the end of the republic. As we grant people more ability to decide for themselves, without damaging others, of course, more people will respect our stances on economic freedom and gun freedom. I strongly believe that there are coalitions of people waiting to become Republicans, but can't overcome our inconsistency on when we choose to want freedom. Privacy online, free speech, medical freedom, and religious freedom are consistent with those who seek marriage freedom, recreational drug freedom, strong parental rights, and reproductive freedom. Gun rights folks should have a healthy respect, even if they disagree, for some reproductive choice folks because it is based on deeply held personal beliefs and choosing what is best for yourself and your family. As much as the left has leaned into equality, we must withdraw from many of our aging crusades and follow President Trump's example in Afghanistan to, figuratively, bring the troops home to fight the big battles for liberty. We must go all in on liberty and stay consistent on it across all of our issues. In the infinitely changing and infinitely progressing world of free markets and free people, there is very little that can't be overcome by letting the populace choose for itself. Big tech companies got you down. MySpace and Yahoo were once our biggest worries. They are now third string. Kids not getting outside enough? Rather than pass a law, Pokemon Go can do more in one summer to combat the problem than eight years of the Obama White House's Let's Move initiative. Too many people driving drunk? Try letting Uber in instead of trying to send more people to jail. Very rarely is the answer to give the government more power or to step in to protect us, with very limited exceptions. There is, of course, a role for government in our society, but if you're trying to be a statist only to enact your conservative outlook on the world, we're not in the same boat. And listen, If you are a conservative Christian who wants to use the force of government to enforce your outlook of America on other people instead of winning their hearts and minds in the pews, that's definitely not what we're trying to do here. Number two, federalism. We do not talk about federalism enough. There was something beautiful in the blooming of federalism we saw happen under the Trump administration by governors during the pandemic. They formed regional coalitions and handled the pandemic in their own way, and hopefully will reap electorally whatever they sowed during that crisis. 
That mismatching, patchwork, locally driven government action is hated by the left because they don't like the incongruity of it. We should champion this and allow states to become whoever their constituents want them to become, nanny state utopias or freedom-loving paradises. This subject helps us all get along as well. I hope that someday we can look at issues not just through the lens of liberty, but also say to ourselves, I don't support your outlook on this, but we can agree that the states should decide and not Washington, D.C. The beauty of capitalism is the freedom to decide and create. Instead of thinking about how your philosophy would play out nationwide, try thinking how your philosophy will play out with the independent voters in your state first. The Tenth Amendment needs to be far more prevalent in our conversations than it is now. As we distribute power back to the states, we are helping, quote, drain the swamp by forcing lobbyists to open 50 state offices to get their pet projects passed instead of just one in Washington, D.C. I can't think of a better way to drain the influence of lobbyists than to make them pass things in 50 states instead of one Capitol Hill. This philosophy is squarely centered on the individual and involves bringing power and decision-making as low as it makes sense on the following sliding scale. Less power resting in D.C., then the state, then the county, the city, the neighborhood, and the individual with the most power. No, counties shouldn't build interstate highways and homeowners associations shouldn't be filling potholes on Las Vegas Boulevard. But the closer the politician is to your front door, the easier it is for regular people to pull their ear to get something good done. Number three, attainability. Most of the time, we've only got two or three attainable policy priorities or goals that we can pursue during a given cycle. If we spend our money and efforts pursuing something that is light years from passage and light years from public opinion, we're going to be spinning our wheels, making political consultants rich and happy while we get no actual action on what we desire. This is not an effort to abandon the moonshots, but proving some worth to less interested voters and having some wins in the bank will help with unity and help with growing our coalition. I know regular Republicans dislike hearing about horse trading, but this is how things work. I hate to break it to you, but compromise, backroom deals, and grease palms are how every major piece of legislation in American history was passed. I get that it sounds corrupt. But if you're going to play politics, you need to understand that passing legislation and convincing elected officials is not about getting your opinion logged in the system, but more about funneling volunteers, endorsements, public opinion, and donations to the right places at the right time. Overall, I think opening up our minds to some political compromise and maneuvering can give Republicans more tools to solve all our inevitable disagreements. Most of the time, the most liberal Republican elected official you can think of is going to join with us on the above issues more than the most conservative Democrat elected official that you can think of. We should think to embrace Republicans we disagree with and persuade them to join our ideologies instead of alienating them or excluding them. You can move a moderate Republican much easier than you can move a moderate Democrat. You can listen to the rest of this four-part series on www.thisisnew.media. This is New Media.